0: and welcome to episode 140 of Retro Encounter the RPG fan podcast where we play mostly old dish games and talk about them. Today uh, this month of beautiful month of June we are playing Mass Effect the original Mass Effect the the one the only the one that everyone loves to complain about for with good reason for all the jank and but yet yet still holds a very special place in our hearts. And I believe in all of the hearts of our panelists today. Um, I'm just going to go down the list. We have Liz depends on the species Turian moss. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> and we also have Greg the foods of my people Delmidge.
1: <laughs> it is a very rich food. Us Canadians have.
0: That's right, Canadian, bacon. and we Canadian bacon, yeah. <laughs> and we also have Nathan. The that's the only kind of person who can protect the galaxy, Lee. Hello,
2: everybody.
0: You're very special. You are you are the prophesized hero. All
2: right, let's go save the galaxy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, so Nathan's gonna save the galaxy and this podcast.
0: Here we go. Awesome. No pressure. No pressure. Yeah. I'm your host, Caitlin. I've got flexibility, Argyros. If you did not think I was going to use that quote for Mass Effect 2, you do not know me. Those was calibrations. Yeah, really. I mean, like, come on, it was Garrus something, so. <laughs> so, yes, here we are. Um, it's been a while for me on Retro and been a while hosting, but I'm happy to be with some fellow awesome Mass Effect fans and talk about this really this great game the, the initial entry that despite being a little you know off kilter and it had its issues it was still this great introduction to a series a trilogy we're going we're going to going to ignore that Andromeda exists I think for the purposes of this podcast um that still to this day, I think, is a favorite of a lot of uh, fans of RPGs and video games. So let's just dive in and sort of start by talking about uh, how did we find out about Mass Effect? What's our history with the series, with this game in particular? How did we first play it? Uh, Let's see. Randomly, I'm just going to say, Greg, you go first.
1: Uh, How did I find out about it? Uh, I think you just threw word of mouth actually like I knew it was out for a while but I did not have an opportunity to play it actually until about 2010 uh, was when I had my first playthrough because I came late to that generation of consoles and it was just one that I was like space RPG sign me up uh, <laughs> but I think I actually and I did play it after Knights of the Old Republic so I just kind of wanted more of that vibe and it's uh, yeah it was a very easy jump after knowing what Knights of the Old Republic set up for it so that's how it came along for me
0: uh, Liz, let's see, I can probably guess, but Liz, tell us how you met with Mass Effect.
3: I met with Mass Effect in 2011, actually. Um, <laughs> I did not own an Xbox 360, and I didn't have a PC at the time. I had like a really old Mac laptop, so I had to start the series on a PS3 when Mass Effect 2 came out, because 1 did not come out before 2, as far as the PS3 goes. So... Course i gave it a shot fell in love with it and then when i got an xbox i played the whole series again on xbox and now i'm playing it again on pc <laughs> just for you lovely folks
0: and the rest is history so oh wow so all three versions that must be mm-hmm. interesting yeah. comparison yeah
3: yeah it's been nice it's been it, pc is like obviously the most different because the graphics are better and the c- controls are completely different cuz i'm getting used to since last year i've been playing on mouse and things on mouse and keyboard and it's just like, oh my god, how do I do things? So I've definitely been fumbling a lot <laughs> <laughs> for sure. <laughs> I'm
0: I'm also playing on PC for the very first time. I I, I decided I now have a gaming PC and, um, I've been meaning to, you know, rebuy some of the Bioware games on PC and it would make for kind of an interesting discussion probably, uh, to at least some of the things that are different on PC, like the mini games and whatnot. Um, so I was like, I'll do that. Um, but I, my originally played it on uh, Xbox 360. I think I got a 360 mostly for this game, and I think for me it was always it was that that I guess it was the first trailer where they sort of walked you through some of the systems. They they showed the conversation system. They showed an early mission with Garrus and uh, Ashley that isn't in the game anymore. I don't think. Oh. Um, there's something where you have a discussion with the two of them, and you can really shut them down harsh about what you're doing. And it doesn't—I don't remember it being anything that's in the the, uh, the final game. But it was—it was sort of the whole concept of the thing that drew me in. Like, like Greg said, you know, a space RPG, mm-hmm. and I hadn't really experienced uh, a, a sort of um, cinematic space uh, science fiction. Uh, RPG, or really, you know, for the most part, a cinematic sci-fi game period at that point. So I was like, sign me up. Yeah. And yep. and like like you said, Liz, the rest is history. <laughs> that point.
3: Yeah, like I'd already come in so late in the series. I'd already, everyone had already been raving about it for like years. So I was like, okay,
0: I guess I'll play. <laughs> so Nathan, what about you? How did you get into Mass Effect?
2: So I just, on a whim, kind of. So I was in my shooter phase of my gaming life, and uh I walked into my local EV games and just, there was like a two for, you know, 20, 30 deal, whatever it was. But anyway, the manager recommended me to play to Mass Effect because I think it was 2010 and Mass Effect 2 was coming out later that year. So I just, so so for me, it was like, I just, I guess, out of the blue, I just, play, I just played it and pretty much fell in love with it right, right as soon as it popped into my 360 for the first time.
4: Mm.
2: Yeah, after that, I just fell in love with this entire series, and now it's still my favorite gaming series, Well one of my favorites. Yeah, definitely.
0: Each of the games in the trilogy had their own issues, but mm-hmm. the strength of that of the series, I think, is that despite the various stumbles that every game, including this one that we're playing, the original, has, um, there's something about the the world and the characters that just make it stand out, and even... I feel like people are probably going to be comparing any future sci-fi, especially space exploration Mm -hmm. uh, RPGs or games in general against the sort of uh, bar that business has been set by Mass Effect, so. Mm
1: -hmm. Absolutely. It's on such a grand scale that they've crafted this universe from the ground up, and And again, as I was mentioning, it was clear where the roots were placed from Knights of the Old Republic and Bioware started building their pedigree. And they already had a pedigree of great world building and Baldur's Gate and all that stuff as well. So they're no strangers to a big, massive sandbox to play in. And they just kind of built on what they had already established in Knights of the Old Republic to give players more space, for lack of a better term, to to run around in and try and refine those systems further and just create this big mythos for you to sink into and explore and it's clear like you there's I, i'd forgotten how much work they have clearly put into this just looking at the codex in and of itself mm-hmm. just there's so many entries there's so much science put into oh. it and i feel bad for every uncharted planet i go to and do not read the description at all it's so <laughs> fascinating and i know <laughs> yeah. i liked it i think i did pay more attention to it the first time this time i'm like i don't got time but uh um, no, yeah
0: I, I didn't read anything.
1: To it, it, it was incredible. Yeah,
2: yeah there's no a forget
0: there. about just the uncharted worlds. If you read the descriptions of all of the planets in every system, I mean like Oh, oh believe boy. me, I yeah. tried. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, exactly. the
2: time to make <laughs> all those entries too, which is crazy. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, someone
1: got paid to do that and you're just like, I wanna give you the time of day for what you've done and that you calibrated the like the temperature and the the, the living conditions yeah. and all this stuff and good on you, but I don't care enough right now. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> Actually, as a brief aside, it's interesting you mentioned, Greg, uh, playing Mass Effect after KOTOR because I was the exact opposite.
4: Oh.
0: I uh, Mass Effect 1 was my first Bioware game, and at some point after I played it, I got a hold of the, uh, uh, the first KOTOR and played that because I was like, I like Mass Effect. Bioware might be awesome, so I should check out more of their <laughs> games. And then, you know... I fell into KOTOR and loved that. And I was like, oh! and that was sort of the beginning mm-hmm. of the Bioware can do no wrong phase with me, which they have mm. not quite lived up to <laughs> as of late, but very yeah. Okay. So sticking with mass effect, yeah. um, let's uh, maybe briefly, I don't know if, if anyone really thought through like a headcanon for their, for their shepherd, but since that's kind of a, <laughs> Okay, cool. All right, well, then let's talk about our shepherds. What, you know, what are they like? What are headcanons for them? Um, if you want to s- describe what they look like, too, that's cool. That's just, um, what's your... So, since you mentioned Liz, what is your headcanon <laughs> for your shepherd? <laughs> this is going to be totally unsurprising, and that's
3: also how I'm doing this playthrough, but uh, she plays Renegade mostly. Her background is Earthborn and ruthless. Um, in my first playthrough, I named her Jane because I didn't really attach myself to her at first or didn't intend to and then it's like and now it, i just call her eva shepherd um my head is that she grew up uh being earthborn she grew up in vancouver and which seemed to like connect her way more in master 3 when you like basically take off from vancouver in the beginning um like she's a redhead and obviously being a renegade she's like kind of scary but her teammates eventually learned that she's you know, she's really not gonna like kick their ass or anything, and she'll like save their butts when she has to, or when she has to. I'm um, not sure now. She romance Gareth to the surprise of nobody. That's pretty much it.
0: <laughs> no, that's good. I don't. I don't really think I had that much worked out when I played my original. Well, no, wait a second. I take that back. I had headcanons about my original alpha chef, but. Uh, but I'm not playing that shepherd. I wanted to do um, a new playthrough with a a different background character this time, just to sort of again, kind of be a little fresh. My my alpha shepherd was a colonist soul survivor, so she had the absolute saddest background possible. That's
4: like
1: putting that alpha shepherd, I like that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, I played multiple playthroughs of, of Mass Effect 1 and Mass Effect 2, and it's just kind Go of down. like, she was the one that I, I usually, I, I experimented with other Shepherds and doing different alignments, and yeah. I always kept coming back to, to my Alpha ship. Um, so she was super sad, and I always kind of headcanon that she she gathered all of the Normandy crew, and, and um, Anderson was kind of like a surrogate dad to her because she lost her family, and then she lost her, her squad, and she's... She basically lives a life of trying to find surrogate family members, um, and then, mm-hmm. then losing them, and and sort of becoming super determined not to let anyone anything bad happen to anyone. Which is how I sort of rationalized her being the most paragon to ever paragon. I'm <laughs> I, I I'm not sure I ever made a renegade decision with her. Period. Outside of um, decisions that would like you know just by default grant car- you uh, renegade points. Mm-hmm because um, I was super good at two-shoes with her. And I tried with this playthrough to have sort of a different background. Um, this current shepherd, her name is Evelyn, Evie for short, um, and she's a spacer, uh, spacer, what is she, spacer, uh, soul survivor. I still really like the soul survivor background for how it lets you interact with tombs Yeah. Uh, and his side quest. Um, so I wanted, I wanted her to have the, the spacer background because I wanted her to have a mom. In this playthrough, I feel like, you know, I'm assuming Earthborn, you're also an orphan, so you don't have parents. Yeah. And you, you obviously don't yeah. have a family as a colonist. I basically yeah. wanted a mom so that I could headcanon down the road that Garrus would meet Shepard's mom and they would all be kind of like a happy family. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but I also kind of, um, she's still mainly Paragon, but I've tried to make at least a smattering of renegade decisions and basically any renegade decision or any major, uh, decision where she is able to have snark. I've tried to, to pick that one as long as it doesn't super conflict with what I want to do with the mission, just because, uh, you know, I kind of imagine her, she's, she's got her, her duty being raised, uh, as a spacer being raised as an alliance brat. But she also kind of I think because she's been raised like that, she she mouths off a little bit where she can get away with it just because she's been living with her parents, you know, sort of drilling it into her whole life and she wants to serve, but she's also got a little bit of a she's got a bit of a Joker uh, streak in her. So I I imagine she's super good friends with with Joker and with some of the characters um, throughout the series that know how to have a good time. And that was a long-winded spiel to say. Dang. <laughs> dang, yeah. <laughs>
3: yeah, that really, yeah, that really, like, tells your character, though, like, you definitely went into a lot of dash and I'm like, oh, yeah. And then, I, as I was listening, I remember, like, some of the things what my my character that I thought of along the way, like, when you brought up Anderson, I would, you know, I thought of how I imagined that Anderson basically plucked my uh, Earthburn Shippers basically off the streets, because she was, you know, she's living the gang life, and Anderson's like, you're too young for this, you know, you're... Definitely do some work in the, well, the, the general mil- term, military, but, and that's kind of how she got started and met Anderson, basically.
0: <laughs> so. Oh my gosh. So it's kind of like a space is, dad. I love that. In
3: a similar way.
0: <laughs> he is so space dad. Yeah, he really is. Space dad gave me a really swank apartment in Mass Effect 3, I'm just saying. he's <laughs> Way better than, the, than the, the crap apartment you get with Pinnacle Station, which we will talk about later, but... um Anyway, I digress. So, Greg and Nate, what about you guys? Go ahead, Nate. Okay,
2: uh, I don't have any kind of elaborate like stories like the two you do. But <laughs> mine, I just, I just made mine the st- the standard because especially when I played back then, I made the, I wasn't like a big RPG guy, so I was just like let's pick the default for everything. So I was the soldier, uh, soul survivor. And I uh, just made all the Paragon decisions because I'm a no good guy. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Fair
2: enough. <laughs> uh, so I'm a pretty boring run. It's not like you, you two where you guys came up with like nice, distinct personalities for your shepherds. I was just, you know, played the standard way, I guess, is what you could describe it as. Well, I
0: what? think that's kind of the beauty of uh, how Bioware designed... Uh, this whole thing with giving you the personal and the service backgrounds and whatnot is that it gives you plenty of material to create that background if you yeah. want and like and even hmm. within those backgrounds, like uh, you know, you could have the same uh, personal and service history and have different head that would work with mm-hmm. what the game tells you. But you also don't have to if you don't want to. The game gives you enough background just to say that's my shepherd and yeah. I'm sticking to it. So. Yeah. And and I, I, I can say I appreciate a game that lets you put in your own head cannons but doesn't force you to make everything up about them.
4: Yeah, yeah that's exactly.
3: Nice. Like that, they even that, have like missions in one for like for like whatever background you chose between yeah, Earth Yeah, that's very nice. Yeah, and that that's a nice touch. And they didn't like at the same time they didn't like go all in on it, so that way you it still left room for like your own like ideas and head cannons, which is pretty cool. But it gave you, like, a little bit more to go on than just, like, the beginning of the game when you chose the options. <laughs>
2: yeah. Ne- ne- I have done, like, multiple master playthroughs, so I did do, like, the mm-hmm. Renegade Path, and I actually made, like, a neutral path where I just literally picked every single decision in the middle. And <laughs> so, I think so,
3: everybody died in three.
2: <laughs> yeah, a lot, a lot of people died in, in the... <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> you pick neutral paths, you're not, you like, people are going to die, just, just as yeah. a matter of fact. Like
4: like oh
0: I never thought about doing that, but that's that's really an interesting idea because of I mean, I'm sure everyone looks at Paragon Renegade and, they, and if they are if they've ever watched Star Wars, they're probably thinking, oh, it's it's light side versus dark side. Are you a Jedi, are you a Sith Lord? And it's interesting to think about doing a gray playthrough with what with you know we, yeah. we've seen in Star Wars canon we've seen some characters that do kind of okay. they don't fall into either light or dark they are in the gray yeah so that is cool I wouldn't have thought of yeah. doing that but that was yeah
1: <laughs> with my shepherd I think my uh, my alpha shepherd now since I'm gonna take that term because I like it <laughs> I think I <laughs> went Earth War, War Hero and Paragon for like my very first playthrough that I went through all three uh, trilogies with and us uh, all three trilogies. Yes. There's nine games for the entire trilogy.
0: With, <laughs> oh my God.
1: With my original uh, Gregory Shepard. He was that route this time around. Uh, I, cause I always have a hard time doing the, the bad stuff it just goes <laughs> so against my moral code. So I'm trying to go more renegade this time around and so far it's working out, but it, the the renegade notes really really make you a, a jackass. Yes. <laughs> just, like it's really like it's there's not a lot of gray area for them, which makes sense I suppose. But it's just like no, just be a terrible person. That's all you are. Just, just, just an awful horrible
2: person. Only the renegade right? matters. Yeah.
1: Exactly. Um, and so I went with um, a colonist sole survivor. So like the 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 minimal amount I built on that is just the idea that he's used to being alone and doing everything himself. Uh, but it's funny because every time because I made him look different from how my Gregory Shepherd was, too, because Gregory Shepherd just modeled off from me. So he looked very similar to me, whereas this one, every time I see him, I'm like, ah, oh, that is not an attractive dude. He just looks like an <laughs> asshole. <laughs> he's just like he's got like he's got these shrewd little eyes and just like a mean face. He's got like a buzz cut. Like, he just looks like the, the worst of the worst, like uh, uh, Sergeant Major Commander kind of guy. That you just do not want to mess with. I gave him a scar up his face. So he's just, he's, he's you do not mess around with my shepherd. apparently. <laughs>
4: yeah.
1: But even hey, then, boy. I still make the odd decision. And all of a sudden, like, my Paragon had jumped up higher than my Renegade somehow for a brief period. Until I murdered the <laughs> Rachni. Which I felt super bad about. <laughs>
0: oh. oh, it's so bad.
1: Because even, like, I had the scientist, uh, Liara, over there just being like, I don't know, don't do it, man. You probably shouldn't do it, like... And I was I was like, I know, I'm listening to you, but this guy, this guy's a screw you. And yeah, so so that's kind of the route I've been going. And I made him go into the infiltrator class. So again, trying to be the sole survivor, sole mission kind of person, get it done by himself, being a quiet sniper, sitting in the back, getting things done, and set his troops ahead to kind of screen while he just picks things off. <laughs>
0: that sounds about right. Yeah. I like it. I like it. And, yeah, I, I'm with you. It was always hard when I eventually went around and did a Renegade playthrough, um, and I did it through this, all three games. I don't like it. Like, there's some really great, awesome snark lines yeah. that I love, and I will still take if I can. But, yeah, sh- Renegade Shepherd is a – I don't want to say <laughs> it. It's, na- it's you a know, chocobo sound You know effects. what I mean. That's what he is. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, and I guess I forgot. To, I yeah, you mentioned your your character class. I rolled. I I did not be different in character class. I rolled a soldier, which is what I usually roll in Mass Effect One, just because I like having proficiency in all of the guns, since I prefer <laughs> assault rifles. Uh, when I play, uh, really, I prefer them in all three games. So I really wanted a class that I mm-hmm. could get proficiency in assault rifles. I, I wanted to try something different, but I just I don't I never really kind of liked the tech or biotic skills in Mass Effect one. They they got better in two and three. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. it was
1: definitely more fun being an engineer and um Vanguard. Is that the one that was like the really up close and personal?
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's that's what I I went with in the sec in Mass Effect two and three, but in the first one I was engineer with my Alpha Ship. Because I just liked having shotguns. He's
2: supposed to make the, the combat drone he can name it. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's like names hers.
0: Yes. <laughs> yeah, i, mean
3: I Vanguard in yeah. Vanguard, Because Vanguard kind of like sucks in Max that one, like you guys are saying, but it gets so much better in 2 and 3 because my Shepherd is not a fan of guns. If if she doesn't have to use them, she's not gonna. <laughs> and out of these primitive not fun. things. <laughs> what do you I'm mean? You need to shoot from far away. I'm going to get up close and personal.
0: Yeah. <laughs> strangely enough i didn't like vanguard until mass effect andromeda which ah! i know we said you wouldn't talk about but <laughs> i said because andromeda lets you experiment with whatever class you want i started playing the vanguard style there and i really liked it there so it's the only
1: redeemable quality for andromeda <laughs> possi-
0: possibly yeah the combat is maybe yeah i don't know i still have to go back and actually beat the game i haven't actually tried like, it yet yeah,
1: so, but I you have have do been- not talk <laughs> about andromeda
2: it's in my room somewhere.
3: <laughs> I have to beat it still, but I'm glad to hear that Vanguard is like actually good there. I mean, I do like it in two and three, but if it's even better than it's drop,
0: fun. It's awesome. I'm a sniper Vanguard, so I can do charge and I have a shotgun, but my other weapon is a sniper rifle, so I can charge in shotgun and then back away That's and slick. snipe people. It's 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 a lot of fun. I will say, <laughs> I uh, I actually made a point of maxing out. Um, uh, sniper rifle in this playthrough I, I i never used to bother because that first experience of trying to use a sniper rifle and dealing mm-hmm. with the 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 float that they introduced to basically you know represent that your accuracy that your skill with the gun sucks yeah, yeah. it turned me off so hard from i mean like it's not like i'm an amazing sniper when i use sniper rifles and other shooters but like i don't have to fight against my aim nearly that much, yeah. so I hated it. And I would used to just say, Garrus, you can do this. I'm going to use assault rifles." But I made the point of maxing out the sniper rifle tree and, and you know putting um, good mods for accuracy and things like that. And I, and you know I still use assault rifles a lot, but I'm finding sniper rifle gunplay more enjoyable. And someone's going to say it's because I'm playing on PC. And yes, I'm sure that has something to do with it too, because aiming. Mm-hmm. In First person on PC, it's always easier with a mouse than it is with a with a controller. I, can, oh, yeah. I was I can, curious if
1: there is yeah. a much of a difference between the two. I'm no, playing on like, Xbox 360 again.
2: Yeah, same with me. Like for for me, I like I cannot aim. Well, no, I can't. I can aim with the better with the mouse. The problem is I can't move because yeah, I can, can aim with fire the
3: charge. That's what matters. <laughs> 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 Mind you, that's not Mass Effect One, so that's <laughs> another podcast. <laughs> yeah.
2: I should play my PC shoes with it with a controller because I can't move because my WASD just I just can never get used to it.
1: Oh really? Uh, yeah.
0: It's been an interesting it's- experience for me. Actually, I've been really grateful that I've been playing it because I think it's getting me more used to the 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 whole basic setup of of movement with a keyboard and mouse. Since I'm very relatively. New to the whole PC gaming thing, and usually the the idea of playing an action-heavy game like this uh, with keyboard and mouse would really turn me off because it's like, how can I possibly react if I'm trying to fumble, trying to figure out which keys to press? And it's oh yeah, for sure. At first, it was a little bit like that, like oh crap, how do I how do I crouch? No, how do I not crouch? <laughs> yeah. How do I? How do I do this? How do I do that? And, you know, I've learned and it's gotten me more comfortable with uh, with that style of control. so maybe mm-hmm. I'll actually be able to do that in other games. Um...
1: <laughs> yeah. True. And again, this one isn't a completely like fluid scheme. It's not like you're trying yeah. to play Mass Effect 1 in like the Borderlands engine. It's not <laughs> as fluid as that and not as precise yeah. as that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's it's definitely an acquired taste <laughs> and it's... It's interesting going back to it after having played other things. And in, in a world where it existed in uh, with games like Halo and stuff, out you can also kind of see some of that influence. And that's, I feel yeah. like, what they were trying to tap into by making it what it was. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Because
1: didn't they just auto-fire in um, Knights of the Old Republic and it all just came down to RNG? Because I, I don't think you actually uh, had any accuracy seat for the people who use blasters. I think they just, you just targeted something and they just started wailing on them. God,
0: it's, been, it's been ages right. since I've played KOTOR, yeah. so...
1: I feel like that I don't. Yeah, anyways, someone will. It, Co- Kotor
0: was it, it was more of like a Dragon Age kind of setup where yeah. you're not directly in control of actual individual actions. You just have a, an attack animation, and that's yeah. it's determined by your stats and RNG that's and that's stuff, stuff like about. that. Yeah. Which massive uh, bioware, don't remake Kotor and make it an, an FPS. Please don't do that. that would no, that's not a
1: suggestion. <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay, so. Back to Mass Effect. Right. Um, let's let's. I guess we'll move on since we we talked a lot about uh, shepherds and gameplay and stuff like that. Um, so the alien races and the whole concept of galactic civilization uh, in Mass Effect, I think, was another one of those things that really drew me personally into the game and the series is getting to meet these cool aliens and learning a little bit about alien politics and how they're still kind of dicks, but. And I, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm gonna let that one slide. Cause I don't know how else to say it. Well, I guess Caden would say jerks and saints, just like us. But anyway, so what do we all think about, like you know, the new alien races that they introduced in this game, and uh, you know how the galaxy is presented to us with those new races?
1: I think it's super yeah. interesting what they've done uh, with again it all goes into the details they put in and how each race was formed based on climate and all that sort of stuff just that extra research and what a planet could do to a person that's one of the reasons why for me like i really like the alcor just for how they're these big stumpy creatures because of the the gravity on their planet and their speech patterns and how they've had to adjust for galactic trade and interaction to Mm -hmm. avoid misunderstandings (laughs) i find that uh, really neat, which is, uh, yeah, I just like the work that they put into them for that aspect, for example.
3: Yeah. Just considering things like the gravity and, you know, like things that are different on each planet that will obviously affect, like, growth and other things. You know, I think that's pretty cool.
1: And I know everyone wanted to see Tally without her mask for so long, but, like, what's going on under those Volus <laughs> yeah. helmets? I want
2: to know it's what's that's going on. <laughs> top image of a, ta- uh, was it? Was it? Like a Missile Worlds? Contestant or something? In this universe contestant? <laughs> I think that's
0: yeah, what think they that's what grabbed the it, They grabbed here. it off the internet somewhere. It was, a, it was a stock image from like Getty Images yes. or
3: something.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's that That's so fun.
0: bad.
3: I prefer wish not to remember it. that. I wish they never <laughs> revealed it. And just let people like, you know, imagine whatever.
1: So I haven't actually gotten yeah. it. That's why I've chosen to have her around more cuz I'm in this is inevitably you've gateway drugged me with this one by bringing me onto this podcast. I'm going to go through the trilogy again and I think I'm going to okay. try and romance Tally once the option is there. Tally is
0: yeah. awesome. I'll be
2: doing it the same way as
1: Greg
0: right do the challenge again. Yeah. But no, I was literally thinking the same thing about the Volus. Is like, if since they have they have to wear those suits because the pressure is different on their planet versus everywhere else, yeah. is what I remember. So, what do Volus look like under those pressure suits? And maybe we don't want to know. Maybe they are horrifying looking, and their suits are an improvement. I <laughs> no. Well, the is like a, like a pretty high like... bar
1: for that. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah, Yeah. A I rip-
0: should wear suits.
1: <laughs> and I that enjoyed like that port every year. has to have to a thing. Game. Sorry, what was that, Nathan? i
2: no, sorry, the roacher don't appear until Mass Effect 2.
1: No, yeah, and that's true. Yeah. But they they ugly. The
3: yeah. Oh, no, the veterans <laughs> appeared in the DLC. That's right. Yeah,
1: and they're like, mentioned yeah, in. in the sky. They're at least mentioned, I think, in yeah, this one. So, yeah, they're mentioned. Yeah. And you get to see their, their race index. At least you get to see what their faces look like, but you don't get to hear yeah. them or anything like that.
3: I'll always think of the Mass Effect 3 DLC. Uh, I can't remember which one it was. It was like "winner, winner, chicken dinner," and just hearing them say that in that voice is the
1: whole most hilarious thing ever. <laughs> <That's
4: amazing.
1: laughs> that was that actual thing? Yeah. I don't think I forgot that one.
3: <laughs> is that or that or in the multiplayer? I can't remember.
1: Oh, it probably was the multiplayer. That makes yeah. sense, because they're oh, yeah that competitive edge. That'd oh, be funny. Yeah, that
3: makes sense. They were so much fun in multiplayer,
1: but I digress. Um, aliens.
3: I yeah, like the other. Sorry, go on.
1: Oh, sure. I was going to say the other interesting thing that I was just thinking about earlier is uh, like the racism aspect that they kind of bring into this whole thing. And you want to think that, yeah, maybe things will be great. Like Star Trek makes it and everyone kind of gets along more often than not. I mean, obviously (laughs) there's some stuff and there's a little bit of um, a xenophobic thing that comes in now and again, but it's not as prevalent as it seems like it was in the history of the Mass Effect universe and how everyone was pretty cloistered and And there's a lot of like latent racism, and it's interesting how, it's Mm. probably what would happen if we were to meet aliens in our culture. We would give us a common thing to be racist against, and we'd probably forget all the racism that's already on Earth for the most part, because we'd be like, well, this is a new thing to hate. So, and so it's interesting that kind of um, what that that brings into it, and how there's a lot of discussion around uh, uh, aliens and being being on the ship, like with Co. Presley. Um, Or oh, yeah. you know, That sort of discussion with him And your your shepherd can lean into that too If you want, and even Ashley mm-hmm. kind of touches on it A little bit as well Yeah But it's,
0: Did anyone actually choose to like agree with Ashley about not trusting aliens Since we
1: I may have touched on it a bit just Because I think I'm trying to romance her in this one Just because I, I think I let her die in the first My first playthrough, so I'm curious what she brings To it if I let her live in this one But I can't remember I don't think totally. Sorry, anything good? As,
2: as a paragon, I always have
0: to disagree with her. <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, I, I, think I, I
3: still disagreed even as a
0: renegade. I can never, I mean, like, I can understand where she's coming from, but I can never, like, fully support, uh, you know, that the mindset of that because, mm. you know.
1: And I feel like there was an option to do that where you kind of be like, I get you, but <laughs> it's a little hard line. I feel like I went over, I think I went that path with it. Of kind of understanding, but not condoning. Mm. Yeah,
0: yeah, It's 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 tough. And I mean, uh, speaking of of uh, racism, it's it's interesting that the game you know doesn't paint galactic society as this perfect you know uh, utopia of mm-hmm. equality. Like mm-hmm. going out going out to the stars and discovering all this hyper advanced technology and meeting other alien races did not magically make Uh, everyone's super friends. And you see that it's not just how the council and council races refer to humanity, but you also see it mentioned uh, when you're talking to um, what's his face, the Volus ambassador. He's complaining about how the the council overlook him and things like that. And you see the, the, um, the, the Hanar. uh, 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 um, The priest
2: guy. Yeah. uh, The preacher.
0: yeah. Yeah. The preacher. Yeah. Who I feel like is also getting kind of uh, run down by, by by policy, but also because he wants to preach about something that is culturally significant to him, and it's you know you don't want people to want to hear that. So yeah, I thought course. that was I mean yeah they could have they could have made it into this this perfect thing, but they did a good job I think of showing that. Going out to the stars and getting super, you know, getting spaceships and colonizing new worlds and meeting new uh, races, new uh, new aliens, new life does not immediately fix all of these issues that are inherent to, I guess, probably all civilized, uh, sentient life. And Because
1: ultimately you want to protect yourself and look out for your own. It's just ingrained in you. So obviously that stuff's going to come up and make you leery of everything that's not you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And, I mean, they do a good job, too, of, like, you know, creating at least, not to excuse that kind of behavior, but giving some reasons why different races might think differently. Like, Asari being long-lived, a lot of them, especially, like, Liara included, tend to sort of have a, a more, you know... Well, we are very knowledgeable and we know what's best, that kind of thing. You you guys, you're short-lived, you're fast, you're, you know, you, you come in brashly and do all this stuff without yeah. necessarily taking time to understand. They're space and... elves. Yeah exactly, yeah, exactly
3: what I was about to say was, like, they basically remind me of elves, but there's no male ones.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Whereas, yeah, and the Krogan's are just Look at the Krogans and rough Krogan. and tumble. Yeah. yeah. That's a good example of that. Yeah, absolutely. They gotta—they don't have much to live for. I forgot about that—that that whole conversation chain with Rex, where he just kind of lays it on you. Is like, mm, what's the yeah. point for us? Yeah, what yeah. What I
0: found it interesting that one of the first conversations you have with Rex is, no matter what option you choose, Shepard comes off looking like an idiot and an insensitive prick because no matter what you choose you basically just say the genophage wasn't that serious and we kind of experienced the same thing when the turians tried to wipe us out and it's not at all the same thing mm-hmm. and i thought that wasn't interesting that they they didn't they made shepherd kind of be a bit of a racist there or be at least a little Absolutely, ignorant yeah kind of. yeah <laughs> i feel
3: what like that situation? was intentional, Which, cause that was like pretty early and it's like well this is all, it's gonna be you're just not gonna know everything and you're
4: gonna
1: and yeah. It's a comment on the self-importance that we can have too, and how we always yeah. want to make things about us. It's really interesting that whole point that no, you're yeah, you're gonna step on toes and say yeah. the wrong thing, and
4: yeah, it's just how it is.
3: Times, yeah, <laughs> you're not you're not gonna be able to make perfect decisions like anywhere in the or for for the whole series. So live with it.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of good stuff there, and I mean, like it's interesting how they have. Galactic Civilization uh, Built up with this whole concept of You basically have to Prove yourself to Galactic Society In order to get any say in Galactic Politics and there. Uh, um you had to be able to, you know, provide resources and defend and all this stuff and the politics involved in deciding who gets to to join the council and have a say. And, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's inevitable that one of those plot points is humanity getting a seat on the council because you play as a human character and, you know, that's the whole basic setup of becoming a specter makes that sort of, that push inevitable. But it's still kind of an interesting concept uh, to have to say that you only get to be on this board this 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 governing board Mm -hmm. once you've made a difference or once you can make a difference it's not everyone automatically gets a say yeah
1: you got to be significantly contributing and yeah it's interesting and it's 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 definitely humanity's groundbreaking ceremony which it makes you it's very humbling at first in this Mm -hmm. power fantasy kind of world of like i'm the specter i'm humanity's chosen hero and oh we're no one likes us that much yet okay
3: (laughs) (laughs) yeah pretty much But again,
0: I'd
1: like to think of that. Absolutely. It it builds builds character.
0: Yeah, that induction yeah. ceremony is still like I think one of those standout scenes for a lot of people. Right. I know Nathan, you love it, don't you? I
2: do love it. It's just the music that plays in the background while they the uh the council <laughs> oh, outlines your duties to, as a specter It's just great. I love it. Actually I live for mass effect speeches just in general.
0: Me too. It felt it felt super epic. It's got some great at writing. That moment, yeah.
1: Although I forgot about the thing until after you words and you talk with Anderson. You're like, oh, sorry. Maybe you shouldn't have been there for that. I'm so sorry. You got passed <laughs> over. My bad. I didn't know.
0: <laughs> oh, awkward. <laughs> Actually, um, I never read the uh, the book that was about that whole. Thing. There was they,
4: a book?
0: They, they did it. Yeah, they made yeah, a book on uh, it. The mission I was was say, Saren. Chasing yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. I never read it. Um, I think I tried reading one of... The, actually, maybe I tried reading it, and I... Sorry, I didn't like the writing very much. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. Who <I think, laughs> you apologizing to? I if it was ri- written by... Well, like, if it was written by... Um, What's his face? Yeah, like I forget if he was the one that wrote it and if he was I'm sorry I'm I like, don't like... know where my copy is or I
3: will tell you. Uh, I actually didn't mind it
0: It wasn't it wasn't that it was bad badly written. I think it was that it's the kind of It felt like it would it works a lot better with it if it was, you know a screenplay or something it I, I remember finding it to be kind of dry Uh, and you know, it, it gets the description across and it tells you dialogue, but it didn't feel like it was as descriptive as I maybe wanted to be. And maybe that's more on me than, Hmm. than the author. So So that's why I'm like, like,
3: um, honestly I can find all my Mass Effect books except for that one, which is baffling to me, but, uh, he did write, he wrote like all the other ones. Um, yeah, um, I found it. Uh, similar to you Caitlin I found it not very descriptive but I did like that it gave us like some sort of background into like Anderson who's obviously very important to the series and Sarah sure. and who were chasing through all the Effect One. so that was kind of nice to have even though it's you know not exactly an award-winning book um, yeah definitely
1: we didn't hear from you two uh, uh, Caitlin and Nathan kind of like what races spoke to you in this whole galactic scheme we just kind of we, we went down a, a really intensive rabbit hole which was great <laughs>
0: Well, I'll let I'll let Nathan go first because I'm not sure I even have to say anything if if you don't know. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. I, I I you can't see it. I'm not actually wearing it, but if I could, and if I could show you, I would literally be wearing a T-shirt that says Turians.
2: Turians are probably my my favorite race. Actually, Turians the Crogans, probably like between those two. It's a bit of a hard choice. I like them both. About them. Oh, d- just the the way, especially for the Krogan. The Krogan has such a deep, uh, t- there's a deep connection. Especially the like, what you find out about the Krogan race through Rex and Grunt, and the way you help out the Krogan throughout the, the entire trilogy is just that. This makes for like a really like interesting race of uh, of characters. The Terrans are just cool. I just like just their, just just you know just be the military arm of the of the Council. Just have that the big important role, and not to mention Garris is one of the best. Like uh, party members ever in an RPG, in my opinion,
0: he is it's pretty
1: neat. I find they He's weird my me. My boy always...
0: Nathan, laying it down, <laughs> <He's> telling <laughs> truths. I
1: really like them, but I always find they weird me out when I look at them from the waist down because <laughs> have...
0: Yeah, they do have. Such... Yeah, yeah everyone been, complains
1: like... about that thigh gap. Have you seen? Well,
0: That's also your... when you like when you w- see them walking, like if you when you run around the presidium and you see an occasional Turian walking, and you're just like. How how does that even work? That looks so uncomfortable. (laughs) Right.
1: But it probably is completely normal, obviously, for them. They have different physiology, which is fun. Like they definitely have uh, they've explored with a lot of different. uh, It's not all Star Trek bipedal races. They really went out yeah. there more in like the Star Wars vein of trying to find a few things, and it's pretty light in the first one, but they definitely expand as they go. But I can understand how mechanically a lot of the stuff you have to interact with needs to be pretty bipedal because it just sounds like a nightmare for them to try and animate.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I think I think their awkward movement is more on an animation <laughs> thing and less about because the thing is, I don't feel like they animate walkwise uh, in a way that makes sense considering their anatomy. It looks like they made them look like they have different, that their legs are different, but then they had them walking as if they were normal, like, like human, human style. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, Which could is be, probably why it looks so awkward because it's like, wait a second, shouldn't your, shouldn't your legs be to moving that. differently?
1: And it's probably symptomatic yeah. <laughs> of the exploratory territory of uh, motion capture. And they probably modeled it off, off of a motion capture walk cycle and tried to model it onto that but I don't know the intricacies of it, but I know they were using motion capture already at this point. So I'm sure some of that is affected. It's a good point that, it, that it's kind of try to put it onto a human physiology, this weird non-human physiology.
0: Yeah. Yeah. How do you, how do you, how do you even be, you can't motion capture for, for true anyway, if it, to, to represent a, a, a different gait than what is capable by a human being, unless you like That's a fun motion capture animals. I, uh, don't know. Is that a thing that yeah, people do? Or people so, who yeah. have,
1: or you can do people who have specific like walk disabilities could possibly feed into that. But that's a very specific, difficult thing to try and figure out and source in a uh, respectful caretaking way. <laughs> yeah, right exactly.
0: I'm I'm just trying to imagine putting those those uh, those motion capture balls on 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 a, on a pet like. <laughs> Imagine trying to put that on a cat.
1: It's definitely easier now, from what I just recently experienced uh, with my motion capture experience there. But it's it still would be we're trying, I'm sure. And I don't envy anyone who wants to figure that out. I know they are done it with horses, but horses are easier to train.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, cats, cats. If they don't like what you're doing, you're getting scratched. Right,
1: and they'll just pull them all off and whatever.
0: How about yeah. them, horses? <laughs>
1: I like the Quarians. I think they're neat with their whole history and lineage and oops, we messed up and we're paying the price with our pilgrimage kind of... I wish we always... I I may have missed it in any sort of DLC that ever came out. Do you ever get to go to the Flotilla? I forget.
2: You you do. Mass Effect 2
1: and 3, you go to the Flotilla. Okay. I could vaguely remember. It's surprising me as I've been going through this how little of it I actually do remember, even though I can remember (laughs) a lot of the big moments. they're just spaceships, so it's not like anything particularly special. Yeah, I got you.
0: Yeah.
2: Okay, I think it it's coming back. It was one of
0: my favorite missions, though, in Mass Effect Two was was Tali's loyalty mission. Which... Yeah,
2: Tali's yeah. trial was yeah. one. Of... It was really intense. I like that mission.
1: Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, I think I'm remembering this now, and that's where she takes on her new name and all that stuff too.
4: Yeah.
1: Okay.
0: Yeah. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Tali Tali's aura of uh, Normandy, Normandy. Normandy. Yeah, it
1: sticks in my brain.
0: She's my girl now, guys. <laughs> My my Alpha Shep always, um, again, part of the whole uh, finding surrogate family members was she always had a very special relationship with Ashley and Tali because she, I had canon her as having sisters on uh, Mindoir. and so I always kind of thought of her as seeing elements of her sisters in Ashley and Tali, which is probably just a way of excusing that I liked Ashley and Tali more than Liara. Yeah, I think I like everybody more than Liara. That's so weird. I went for Liara. That's <laughs> my favorite. Like, I <laughs> I went for
4: Liara, yeah. Mm. Oh,
0: I, I can't. I do no. I yeah. The thing is, it's weird. Um, Liara's kind she's of weird case anyway. Just
2: because she's, she's so different in aspect 1 compared to 2 and 3. Yeah yeah well yeah, for the most point. part
3: yeah like for in one she's like very clingy and obviously so to an extent but even in three she like comes back to my character and is like well do you have feelings for me and i'm like no i still don't have feelings for you you asked me mass Effect one and you kind of said in two, and it's mass Effect three and i still don't have feelings for you sorry
0: <laughs> i have a turian boyfriend liara Jeez. exactly
3: <laughs> and then i went on my date with garrison it was all good
0: Oh god, that date. Yeah, okay. we're we're getting we're getting away. I, I oh god, you make me want to talk about that date, but like we should probably stick to the first Mass Effect. Um, Fair enough. So the next thing on my list on our list uh, was the morality system, which we already kind of talked about how we where our shepherds fall and, and stuff like that. So I don't know if we have anything else to say about yeah about that because um, we kind of went over it. But um, did it blow I your mind
1: just- when you first experienced it?
0: And, um, I,
1: I don't know if it blew I my it was mind. That was fun that I cool. could be and cool.
3: still win. <laughs> that that part blew my mind that I could be like a total jerk and basically still save everybody. I was like, all yeah,
2: okay, cool. right. Cool. You to do that. <laughs> Redigate, you actually can save a lot of people.
3: Yeah, if you like. And in Mass Effect 2, there's a couple of morality checks. There's one where you have to really have a high Paragon check, and another one where you have to have a really high Renegade check. And I was just, like, really happy, like, my second playthrough of Mass Effect 2 that I was able to pass the high Renegade check with the other one. Um, but that's getting off also of Mass Effect 1. But um, I don't like that it's binary. I, know, I think Bioware did it, like, differently in their other games, where it's slightly yeah. less binary and there's more, you know, more of a compass than left or right. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I remember playing Dragon Age. I was like, the morality system is different in that one.
3: Yeah. Yeah, there's more, like, wiggle room, I guess. Um, And I didn't really get that far in Dragon Age, so I didn't, like, actually get to experience too much of it. I think Witcher kind of does that, too. And I kind of wish... I don't know what Andromeda did it either, because I also didn't get far in it. Andromeda
2: didn't do it. didn't have any morality system at all.
3: Uh, Because I've always wanted to see a Mass Effect that does a morality system that isn't just binary. To see, like... Because, like, we were talking about earlier, like, the gray area just
4: everybody
3: dies. It's like, that's not realistic. That's not entirely realistic, at least
4: I
1: don't think. Mm -hmm. And Knights of the World Republic, I think, was pretty binary too, which again, I feel like is the stronger model for what they did and Dragon Mm -hmm. Age is more the departure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But that's why I was asking because like for myself, having done Knights of the World Republic, it just felt familiar. Whereas... Uh, but I still found myself probably like oh my gosh this is so cool this is really neat and what I do matters and it builds my character in different ways yep. oh my gosh and in yep. that one too you especially see the representation of your good or bad choices in how your character changes changes physically
0: mm-hmm. I think I thought it was a cool mechanic um, but I I don't know, like, the, the The downside is, you know, it's binary, but it also, the downside is that if you try, if you largely stick to one alignment, then you feel like you miss out on options for the other alignment.
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> if you're missing out. Yeah, like, it just means you have
0: to
3: play again.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure.
0: Like, I exactly. I remember, you know, like, we, we brought up Mass Effect 2 has some really awesome snarky uh, Renegade lines. Um mm-hmm. One of those is um, when you're doing Thane's loyalty mission and you have to get the, the vagrant or whatever he is out of the, the attic space or the, the you're, you're tailing uh, on the rafters and there's this guy you run into mm-hmm. and you can tell him, Renegade style, there's a bomb, get out, quick, it's going to blow. Yep. And you have to have fairly high Renegade for that and I love that and I want to do that but I don't usually like playing Renegade enough to have that total. And it kind of sucks that you get locked out of some of the fun decisions or choices of dialogue because of that. So, I mean, that's that's always kind of annoying. And like Mass Effect 1, yeah. you actually had morality missions, but uh, once you re- reach 75% uh, of either. And you can actually game it. You can do enough uh, if you make the right uh, choices to build up enough Paragon and Renegade to do both. Mm-hmm. But I it's never, hard. I never... It's hard, and right. it, it requires super meta gaming, which I never like to do because then I feel like I'm not actually playing a role playing game. I'm just like ticking off boxes to make sure I have the right number of points. Yeah, you just take a playthrough,
4: follow up. Yeah, right. Yeah,
0: and I, I have to say the one time I did the Renegade mission, that that's morality based, mess with one. I was kind of like, it has like one really good line, and I love that line, and I can't remember what it is now. But I can't remember either because I haven't gotten to it yet.
1: I'm hoping to <laughs> yeah, figure it play out.
0: through, yeah but then, but then, the rest of it's just like, eh, so I don't know um but I, I, I think I think they rightly deserve the sort of the criticism for making it binary. I know it's a cool concept, right, I like the concept, but it definitely deserves that that a little bit of flack for how binary it was, and they they tried to react to that um with later games in the series, uh, mm-hmm. I forget how it worked. They, they changed just, just, how it worked in Mass Effect well, 2. Well, mm-hmm. the 2
2: gave you, uh, like, interrupts, so you can choose to yeah. like, do a Renegade interrupt even if you're a Paragon. You yeah. do stuff like that.
3: Yeah, I like those. I think Mass Effect 2 is my favorite as far as morality goes. I mean, mm-hmm. they, they yeah. added the interrupts. Um, some of the Renegade stuff is more fun and not just, like, jerkish. Yeah. <laughs> and... Um, just having like stuff like the morality checks was kind of cool even though it sucks that it's binary and going down the middle kills people um just having stuff like the the morality checks like I was talking about before was was pretty neat it's like are you like are you bad enough to you know break up this squadmate fight
0: kind of thing <laughs> yeah
1: it's an interesting comment. sorry go ahead
0: oh sorry um it also like especially with Mass Effect 1 because of the way the leveling up uh, worked you had to He had to kind of plan um, for when you wanted to uh, dedicate points to Charm and Renegade because he didn't automatically – you you get a certain amount of free points in those ranks based on your decisions, but you still had to invest points in order to have enough to do some of the the larger um, persuasion or or intimidation options. Yeah, And so you had to kind of – You have to sacrifice powering up your character in combat in order to do that, and um, that's always kind of tricky. Like I, I know now, kind of for the most part, where I need to have certain thresholds of Paragon or Renegade points in order to, to do like the decisions I want. But like when I would be first exploring the game. I don't know that I would know, you know, or that I did know when was the right time to say, oh, I'm going to put some points into charm Mm -hmm. and stuff like that, you Mm -hmm. know, because, because you have so many more points to work with in Mass Effect compared to Mm -hmm. Mass Effect 2 and Mass Effect 3, it, it looks a little intimidating to say, well... I'm going to sacrifice, you know, putting points into my weapons or my biotic skills or my my my, my class uh, specialist, which gets me more health and better regeneration, depending on your your class, than to say put it purely into a social uh, uh, um, skill. Which I yeah. I I don't know. I think I might like how I did it in Mass Effect 2 and onwards better, where your points obviously increase by your choices, but you also get a um, sort of a flat boost based on your background your class yeah your background yeah. your your um when you level up your class or whatever uh-huh. it, it gets you that that boost but it also gets you um you know benefits yeah, in points. combat yeah. and stuff like that yeah I so like it that felt better. more like I'm not sacrificing my combat prowess to give myself a boost in Paragon or Renegade points
2: yeah I like that better yeah,
0: yeah.
3: for me it just like kind of worked out where I wanted my shepherd to kind of have like this kind of grimy, like had it hard background, and kind of worked out where all both both my choices just put her into like the Renegade points category. Um, and I was like, when my first, I was I was like you, Caitlin, my first Mass Effect playthrough. I just didn't know when to put points in charm and intimidation, but and knowing that I was already clearly building a Renegade character, I just occasionally through if you into intimidation and I think I didn't really do much into <laughs> charm at all but I think um I think that was interesting too that you could just like manually do that but I like it better that you can get it through conversation choices
0: yeah in some ways that almost feels like more natural the more natural way mm-hmm. to do it, instead of artificially boosting it like that, you just... Exactly. You just, you know, which which works, because it's a role-playing game, and you should be getting those those points largely from... Your actions, uh, yeah. From your yeah. actions, yeah. As
1: yeah. opposed to gaming the
0: system. I mean, like, you know, this was the first game in the trilogy, and it was 2007, right? Yeah. They yeah. released it, yeah. so... They had a lot of ambitions. I mean, oh, yeah. yeah. It
4: was a very
2: ambitious game, yeah.
0: So for I mean for being the first game and being very ambitious for what it is, I thought it was really cool. Um, I'm I'm I was happy to see that they had refined it throughout the trilogy. And mm-hmm. if they choose to do something similar like that, I kind of feel like going forward, if they go back to any sort of morality system like that, they're going to make it more organic and gray and and work natural with the uh, with the conversation system instead of making it more of an artificial here's your rank in Paragon or Charm or Points or whatever.
2: Yeah, I, I think I think they already did that with Andromeda, so I think that's what... Because uh, Andromeda is more of a gray area. They didn't have the Bargain yeah. system, so in that yeah. way it's already been, been better.
1: Did you find yourselves affected by having party members there for things? Because we were bringing up Dragon Age, and in Dragon Age certain decisions actually affect what your party members think mm-hmm. of you, whereas oh. I don't think in Mass oh. Effect it actually matters. And nothing so matters. It makes me forget that like I could be a terrible person, but everyone will still like me.
3: (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Like even though sometimes the like comment in game it doesn't affect like the outcome of say the suicide mission or anything like that. So it does for in that aspect i knew that that was a thing in dragon age but in that aspect it felt less natural to me like this person should hate me for that thing and i said back on the ship but they don't so okay
4: yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, when they are, i was just like oh you shouldn't kill the rachni i was like mm, i'm gonna kill the rachni and she just was like okay
3: and then after yeah you know, sleep with you so
1: <laughs> if yeah, if you go that way, it's interesting and it it catches me off guard
0: yeah exactly me too the thing about that is it's really fake it's artificial when you realize that they have it prepared so that usually you have one squad member giving you the do the thing and one squad member giving you the don't do the thing option they they design Mm -hmm. it so that no matter what combination of party members you have Mm -hmm. one person is always advocating to kill the ragnite queen and one person's always advocating to not or to leave it to the council or something like that. Mm. And then, so you could literally have the same character who says two opposite things just depending on who you're paired with in your party. And it makes you realize uh, that's that's kind of fake. Mm. So, it's less yeah. on their moral
1: stance and more just yeah. they're there. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. And then, like, no one cares. Like, you're, like, like you said, when you go back to Normandy, no one cares. The only person that you can influence at all really is Garrus, and Mass Effect 2, by and large, ignores that, so yeah, ends up feeling a little pointless.
1: Yeah. Hmm. It a bit. Yeah, I,
0: feel like, I feel like Garrus is the one you could change throughout the series, but even then when the next game
2: came along, he was still the same Yeah, as he was in the yeah. previous game, which is weird. So
0: it's Yeah, it's kind of weird, because I remember I always paragoned him. I always made him you know stop and think, and while I love his character arc in Mass Effect 2, it always felt weird to me because that felt like something a renegade Garrus would do. If I had pushed him to be renegade, in which the in the end he wants to leave c and reapply for Spectre training, that's mm, what I would, yeah. kind of would have expected him to do is to go off on his own and start doing things on his own. And, you know, I think the motivation is supposedly is different depending on whether you paragon or renegade him. But ultimately Mm. it does end end up feeling like, yeah, it's the same. So, eh. but again, like, I don't know, like, yeah, I guess it's a question of what was, what was their, what were their ambitions and their intentions with regards to characters? Did they, did they, maybe they just, they didn't have the means or they didn't really want to go at that far and do more of a dragon age kind of thing where characters really dislike you or really like you based on what you do. So they were clearly trying
1: to differentiate the two series and this one definitely kept just kind of building on the groundwork they had already laid, but they, yeah, I guess as we've discovered in this conversation, there's a definite feel that has changed between the two, uh, conversation choice, morality choice systems in each game. And I guess that goes into the characters as well. They didn't just want to have this is space dragon age. You know.
0: Yeah, I mean, you can see how they. Um, I mean, in some cases, it's just an outright change, but you can see how they kind of evolved the concept of the game, the gameplay, and the storytelling and the character arcs uh, from from game to game to game. I mean, Mass Effect 2, it feels much more like the characters actually have stories that you are going through with them. Oh, for sure. Instead of where in Mass Effect 1, they're by and large, just telling you stories of their past. And I mean,
1: it also makes
3: sense. Yeah. It helps because there was a recruitment and a loyalty mission for each of them, which was nice
1: because you got
3: to like experience their story, not just like hear it while on the ship.
1: Yeah. And the first one's definitely more shepherd story and humanity story. And then it kind of builds from there. Yeah.
3: I did love a lot of things about Mass Effect One, though, like the planet. I, I know you probably want to talk this later, but the planet exploration and like a lot of the other things. Like Mass Effect Two, definitely streamlined the combat system, for example, and the points.
1: And I kind of missed
3: having a lot of points in Mass Effect One to play around with. So, I,
0: but oh my God, the inventory system <laughs> never. What levels are we at right oh. now, anyways? Let's let's talk about that in, uh, inventory system. Let's see, level I'm at. Oh, gosh, I don't remember. I don't remember either. It's not very high,
1: though. I just beat Novaria today. I'm at 35.
0: Uh, I think uh, I'm at maybe 40-something. I am at 51
1: today. I want to say
0: still 20s, but that sounds wrong. Yeah, okay, so um, there are things that we all love about Mass Effect and Mass Effect 1, and there are things that we all hate, and I'm pretty sure everyone on the face of the planet who's ever played this game... (laughs) (laughs) has a massive hate boner for the inventory system because
2: it's so bad
0: gosh it's so so bad it takes you like 15 minutes just to clear out your inventory yeah Yeah. and you have to because you have a what a 150 150, 150 which which i just
1: discovered this playthrough i never knew that was a thing
0: it (laughs) boggles the mind
1: And like 150 for everything in your inventory. For
0: everything, including mod mods, like what? Yeah.
1: And and it's so difficult to like omni gel things as well. I mean, it's it's not too bad in the standard like the equipment stuff, but when you go into trying to omni gel your mods. Oh. And you go down to the bottom of your list to get rid of your tier three one, and that bumps you back to the top of like your tier seven. You're like, I have to scroll through all yes. of that again just to omni gel something. No, yeah.
0: and you can't you can't arrange things, so you can't have the you, you might have you know random uh, inferno ammo, you know rank seven here, and then it pops up again down later in the list, and you're like, yeah, it just,
1: I'm not gonna I do only need to keep like two
0: of these.
1: In <laughs> Kotor, you but could sort it rest? all. You could sort it all yeah. in Kotor. Why did they lose that?
0: it boggles the mind and it's it's um I don't think it's any better or worse on PC I I no. I have the same hatred for it still on have the PC like as I did still yeah. painful still yeah, clunky it sounds awful like, I like okay. that there
3: was an inventory system because you kind of don't have that in 2 and I don't think 3 yeah
4: but
2: but it's, it's like still it's horrible it's clunky it's just <laughs> a, yeah I think about Vermeyer, I just stopped opening crates because I, I don't want to deal with the inventory system anymore. <laughs> I don't want to Just leave it alone.
4: I
3: was still a loot hoarder, for lack of a better term, because um I wanted that achievement for making whatever number of credits it was, and I made it in my first playthrough ever.
1: Oh yeah, so <laughs> much one.
3: stuff.
0: <laughs>
1: I have got that one already. I just want to save up and get my my big broken weapons. I want that yeah. that Spectre Spectre weapon. weapons Spectre weapons are, are so, so
0: overpowered. Yeah, I
1: was just talking cool. about the
2: shotgun. I think before we started the podcast. <laughs> I yep. oh, no, was going to mention earlier, something like that. Yeah, that's overpowered thing. So good.
1: And I don't think I had anyone who's really good at electronics, which is what you need for the breaking into things to make it easier or decryption. So I don't think I just broke into a lot of things very easily. So this time I find I'm like <laughs> getting into everything so easy. So I'm just collecting hordes and scads of things where I finally got to the point where I was like, hey, just so you know, uh, Master, your inventory is getting full. Um was coming up every single time and you hit like 145. <laughs> yeah kind of items and I was like I know I know thank you thank you for alerting me to this uh, every single time so finally I found that like I was at Novar uh, Novaria where it happened and I was just down in the depths and I was like oh thank goodness a shopkeeper because I just didn't want everything to turn into like four Omni Gel when I know I can get like 10,000 credits for it
0: exactly yeah and I mean like it's good that you can convert stuff into Omnigel, because imagine if you had to sell things to get rid of yeah. your your inventory space, oh the, and God. you're in the middle of a planet, like, that would be so awful. But Omnigel is, by and large, useless uh, outside of a few things that, I mean, I don't, I end up having a huge stockpile of it that I never use, uh, because... Yeah. I, I hit max by Ilos. Oh, God, Yeah. <laughs> Because I mean, like, I mean, okay, we use it to repair the uh not the shields, but the body of the Mako, yeah, which rarely hurts. for the most part usually doesn't get damaged unless you lose all your shields to begin with. And frankly, that's I'd that. rather repair the shields well, yeah, by than. A freshman, yeah. that's
2: the only way I lose it, yeah. yeah, yes, I... that's usually
0: when I repaired it. <laughs> get a little
1: too close. Oops.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then you also use it if you fail on decryption or whatnot, um, which I mean does happen. Yeah. It's happened to me mm-hmm. on both. Console and PC, but it's not like either version of those minigames is super hard, so you still don't end up using a lot of it. So it's just kind of like it would have been nice if maybe you could, if converting it, you could also maybe convert it into metagel and maybe like, having a a, a huge supply would lower your first aid cooldown or something like that, so you could heal your part because uh, party members die so often in mass effect one because they're stupid uh, and you tell them to go to this place where there's cover and they just run and they stand in front of it like idiots
1: hide please hide although i'm playing on like i think the easy setting just because i wanted to get through this playthrough and i find it's pretty (laughs) cakewalky so
0: oh yeah i'm sure i didn't want to
1: like challenge myself too heavily i think i played it on like the hardest difficulty my first time through but this one i was just like i know my time is short so i'm just gonna it's it's really cakewalky. <laughs> uh, it's kind of shocking how quickly you can get through it. So yeah, I find you rack up that stuff a lot easier because you're just not using it as much. Yeah, so. I don't have. Uh, but like, I want to know what that why, process. Why would is I like. bother
0: doing that? Yeah.
1: You're just in the middle of the thing, and you're just like, well, let's just rip out these seventeen assault rifles. Like, how do you? Convert, <laughs> like, is there a button? <laughs> that you could accidentally hit mid-combat and it just, like, turns into gel in your hands. You're like, gosh! It just, like... You can't reconstitute it. A
0: little ball of Omnigel or something. Yeah, and
1: it's not like, you know, Monster (laughs) Hunter, where, like, you bust out your little, like, grill and start making meat, and it shows you the process. Like, you just... It just happens. (laughs) Like...
0: And, I mean, like, I don't know about you guys. I... I bought the licenses for my quartermaster. I bought metagel and grenade upgrades. Yeah. I almost never bought guns. guns or equipment outside of the specter gear from the requisitions office. Find right? so much and if stuff. He... Yeah. yeah. Because, I- yeah, I you find bother. so
3: much stuff. Yeah, I don't think I ever bought unless it was specter gear either. Just because, like, you're looting everything. You're getting stuff all the
0: time.
1: <laughs> I think I got, like, the odd yeah. bit of armor, and that was about it when I was just like, Yeah, those armor's pretty lousy. And also trying to find armor yeah. for Tally. Hello?
0: It's very hard. Like, I I legit did not get uh, new equipment for her until I did bring down this guy. And I specifically asked Simon to give me Corian armor, because I knew it would be Colossus. And I did not have... She was still wearing her basic crappy stuff. And I was like, (laughs) I don't know when I'm going to actually find, like, actual Corian armor for her that's an improvement or that I like. So, yeah, give it to me. You know, again, I'm sure the reasoning for that was, well there aren't a lot of quarians outside of the hotel. That's fair. Why should there be a lot of armor for them? That's a very fair point. Yeah. But it still sucks. Uh, i because I really like, I like Tali's, uh, her her appearance and the the concept of her sort of, you know, she she can't, you don't see her face. You can't, you know, she can't expose her, her body. So you can't really do a whole lot of flair there. So she, you know, I kind of always headcan the idea of their, um, they're, they're not scarves, but the, uh, the cowls that they have um, covering their heads that they would, you know, maybe they'd have those be bright, different colored designs to sort of express themselves because they can't, they can't like style their hair differently. Well, that makes they sense. they can't, they have to wear an environmental suit so it limits what they can do in terms of fashion. So like, you know, I don't know.
1: I guess it's rather similar to um, like Middle Eastern cultures and such too. Yeah, yeah, I was
0: just thinking of there's that there's less too. fashion
1: expression for more of yeah. the fundamentalists.
0: I feel like, and I mean, I, I hope this is a fair assumption that that might have been kind of at least some inspiration for what they were going for with the look of Korians. is, is, and having a Korian, you know, uh, squad member was to have that sort of that feel to it, which I think is cool. I like, you know, the idea of expressing different uh, cultures and you know, fashion in space and seeing how that might you know play off in a galactic society even if it's in a game that's made by humans on the planet earth
1: (laughs) yeah and especially when you see so little of the diversity in human culture because there's so much focus on the culture of the other races and the diversity of the galaxy at large that humanity's diversity is completely non-present yeah
2: the only thing you know is like different like human backgrounds but that's about it they don't really talk about like, yeah. like they don't mention if there's any like real countries actually I think they mentioned the codex if there's like countries back on earth like if it's still like segregated into countries but for the most part we're just one
1: race in this one
3: yeah that's much and it's, how it's just part.
1: have we gotten to that happy fun place where we all finally get along or you know <laughs> yeah, because there's that common like oh now there's space so we have other things to focus on and aside from our yeah. petty differences yeah like there's a question there
0: but yeah I'd li- I'd like to believe that that would happen for us, but I don't. I don't know.
1: <laughs> we shall see. But we've definitely improved imagine. in a lot of ways. That's for sure. As much as everything seems lousy, we've gotten to a pretty great place in terms of things overall. But we got we got a lot of work to go before we're at Mass Effect and or Star Trek happy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah
0: for sure. Okay. So we've 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 commiserated about the horrible inventory system and how, and the shopping system and all that crap. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the plot worlds that we, we explored um, yeah. the, we the stopping point for this episode for our purposes was to do the three post Citadel worlds. That is theorem, Pharaohs and Noveria. Um, and we just yeah. chose that because uh you know, we wanted to have some sort of midway point, but I didn't want to, like, mandate that everyone do the planets in a particular order. Um, although I forgot about Verameyer being able to do that before Therum and, and making Liara totally nuts. So, like, <laughs> I ultimately kind of did do that, I guess. But, like, anyway. I would so would is a late world, so I usually don't touch it until, like, all my missions
2: are done. Yeah, I usually don't. I've, I see, don't I've, seen... I've never finished it before, like, the other three.
0: Yeah, I always do it after. I three, can't but remember. I s- <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, I guess we can just sort of do this a bit broader. Like, out of those three plot worlds, was there one that you really liked or one you really didn't like, and what kind of stood out about one you liked or didn't like um, for you?
3: I think you're not really supposed to like Novaria, but. For one, it
1: reminds me of Canada, because there's lots of snow. <laughs> and For you get two, a great line from uh, Tally about that, Canada. too. <laughs>
4: yeah.
1: You're right. And Tally gets that whole thing, that winter quickly, like, you gets old fast or whatever it is that she says when you talk to her, which I love. It does. Welcome to
0: Canada. Garris doesn't like the cold. <laughs> Turing doesn't like the cold.
3: <laughs> I like Two, that, sorry. Um, two, I like that... The planet like when you get to like the actual civilization part of it they don't like kiss your ass or whatever they're just like yeah give us your guns and you're like no <laughs> but and it's just like yeah, okay. it, it had like really interesting politics because it's like i feel like it's like a lot of like they don't like bend down and kiss your feet but at the same time there's like all these like weird and interesting politics where they're also know your like influence is so tiny like easy to help like undermine all these other groups
1: it's so bureaucratic yeah
3: it's, very yeah. Bureaucratic.
1: Yeah. it's so stentorian in its design which speaks to that
3: <laughs> i just found it very like interesting how everyone's just like like the games they play and that kind of thing mostly like politically of course but
2: yeah i'm <laughs> personally kind of likes politics so that's why i know various what was my favorite just yeah getting into like all the you know different Kind of the factions, you know, to to, to take down like the corrupt uh, uh, administrator. And uh, oh, Anaelas, yeah. Yeah. Then when you once you get to peak fifteen, that's also one of my favorite parts too. is discovering the the Raknai are are crazy, and you know, you take down the Venezia.
1: Probably one of my favorite parts of the game.
3: Yeah, I love that part. I don't okay, know. The best thing, of love Novaria was the whole politics thing for me.
1: It's got some neat stuff for that, but the part of Novaria that I disliked was getting to Peak 15 and having to yes. go through so many corridors and elevators once you were there. It's just <laughs> yeah. so much okay, sure. waiting around for things. <laughs> I found that really rough.
0: <laughs> yeah that's another thing we can we can talk about is how the elevators suck in this game all of them <laughs> oh all of them at, at it, least the,
2: the, the only good thing i'll say about the elevators is that while they do, do the elevators they, they do like announcements
1: or news reports yeah. while you're in the elevator so that's nice yeah the citadel one that does that and it triggers potential quest lines from side quests which i think is interesting it
0: does it just oh but but okay so here's what annoys me um the elevator on the normandy it's slow on the consoles, but it's yeah. pretty freaking fast on PC. But the other elevators on PC are still slow as molasses. And I'm like, <laughs> what? I mean, I know larger areas, I'm sure, to load, but all the same, like yeah. the, the elevators are uh, everywhere but the Normandy are as slow on PC as they are on console. And I'm like, that's weird. Uh, every, all of my other loads, loadings are, are actually significantly faster. What's, mm-hmm. what's, what's, what's going on here? I love hearing the news about the Krogan who sued the whatever, the with, with Solarian scientists who were going to try and kill genophage and didn't produce any viable results. And hearing about Elcor Hamlet, which I'm so waiting for.
1: I want to yeah. see that
0: so bad. <laughs> Fourteen hours. It might Elcor it Hamlet's might go. put me to sleep, but
3: I still
4: want it. I don't care.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I agree. The elevators in Piquetine are awful, but I think yeah, um, I think Novari is also my favorite. Um, I like that it feel it felt to me like it was a larger uh, plot world than I mean obviously Theram is the shortest and but it felt bigger in scale than even Pharos because um, yeah. you get to explore a town first basically and you get to meet a lot of characters and have. Uh, side quests that have uh, uh, nothing to do with the the main purpose of your being there, whereas Pharos was much more like, well, we're under attack, so help us do these things, and you know, you know, blah blah blah, help us save the colony, and that always that felt much more connected to the main story, and also since they could do all of them in the same little corridor. In the, in the tunnels, pretty much. You did almost all of those uh, side quests, the food and the water, and uh, stop, uh, jamming the communications all in that same little space. It made it feel smaller than Novaria, which yeah. had a big open space for you to explore. And then you went off and you went to Peak 15, and that was another sizable area to explore yeah. with another kind yeah. of, if not a town, but a place with NPCs to talk and stuff like that. So... And I mean, yeah, I, I you know, the whole politics of the, of Novaria felt really interesting as opposed to Pharaohs just being a war zone, and uh, you know, I love I love Benezia because largely because of uh, of her voice actress, since I'm a huge Star Trek fan. Um she so, was great. Yeah. yeah.
3: That fight bugged out Feros... for me the first time, but other than that, I enjoyed that fight.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, she can be super annoying mm. with the uh, with her biotics and bringing yeah. in her reinforcements and there was, <laughs> like was the ground yeah. at the plate so okay, this is what happened to me on this playthrough. Um, I beat her first with with very little issue and then I um I always do the hot labs last because I don't like going back and um with the having to yeah yeah. Um, and I messed up with the Rachni. I, I died. They they massacred me. And my last autosave was right before fighting Benezia, so I had to fight her again. And this time, I managed to get um, biotically pushed off of the platform onto the side of the room. And I could not get back onto the platform, so I was oh dear. pretty much stuck in place. And nice. there was one enemy left. And I couldn't really uh, hit her. It was like a sorry commando, I guess, because she was down the stairs and around a bit of a corner. And I thought for a second, oh, God, I'm going to do this the third time. And then magically, I guess uh, she decided to run up to me and, and die. Um, so I was like, <laughs> so I like that fight that with Benazia, but it can be super annoying.
1: Yeah, this is the Sounds first like fight I actually nutshell, died in, too. janky fights. I got hit actually... by, like, the double fusion tanks, and I was like, oh, snap. And then someone bionically stunned me, and then I was like down to nothing and couldn't heal, so. Eh.
3: The first time I fought her was on 360, and it actually bugged out for me, so I couldn't move or anything. I could shoot, but I couldn't move. It was just like literally bugged, and I was just kind of annoyed because that's another problem I have with Effect 1 is the save system, by the way. If you rely on autosave, good luck. Because <laughs> it, it doesn't autosave very much. Yeah, yeah. So my autosave was like way, way, way before Venezia. I don't remember how much I had to backtrack through that playthrough, um, but I learned quickly that you know manually save lots.
1: <laughs> that's fair.
0: Oh, since we're talking about Novaria, um, how did you guys like the only puzzle in the game outside of the mini games, which is the uh, reinitializing the uh, data core for the VI? Uh, I oh, thought I thought that's that cool.
2: <laughs>
3: I like I, managed it. I thought it
1: was cool. I love, but, <laughs> I love puzzles, though, and I kind of wish there were more Mass Effect, though, but I know it's not really that kind of series, but... I, I do it. like that puzzle a lot, too. It
0: was really fun to figure out. Yeah. It's kinda I, had to, I, I, had to, I actually... In the past, I would have to use guides. I, I, I knew I could job, but I didn't want to, so I would use guides that just told me, you know, push this button and this button and this button. This time, I actually tried to logic it out, and I got it, and it made sense, and i think i like it more i just i always find it interesting that is legitimately the the only puzzle minigame outside of um not missing the only puzzle sort of thing outside of the uh the minigames for decrypting things and stuff yeah, like that
3: true.
2: the hacking yeah but that's it sorry the laser well, the laser on theorem went to rescue the it did use the oh miner. right
0: Oh, oh I, yes, I, I, you're right. There's there are, there are a few instances of a different mini game that involve uh, trial and error pressing the right buttons in the right order. Yeah. That's, oh, that's yeah. I, I kind of
3: there's heard like, that, honestly.
0: There's, like, yeah. that one yeah, and that the one yeah. with the suicidal VI or AI oh, yeah, on, on the Citadel. Yep. And, oh, right, yeah. Uh, that That's kind of, you know, when you think about it, it's really weird that that doesn't show up very often, uh. The vast majority is uh, on console. It's the Simon Says minigame, and on PC, it's the rotating rings and avoiding the the evil red blocks thing. Okay. It's kind of interesting that they didn't make the um, the uh, the the memory game of pushing the right buttons in the right order and figuring out trial and error style uh, more prominent, considering that you have two distinct different. Um, uh, mini game or, or decryption—you you have do you have decryption and you have electronics, and they're treated as separate things. You you're either you know you have to level up both in order to be able to access all of the random uh, things you find on like Uncharted worlds and stuff like that. It's kind of interesting that they didn't choose to split those mini games more evenly. Like have have one be a decryption mini game and the other be an electronics mini game.
2: That's fair. The main aspect too is divided between bypass and hacking.
0: Yeah, mm. which I liked better than I the do like that. I do like that better. Yeah, I I um I actually I think I kind of prefer the PC versions of the of the mini games uh, as opposed to the Simon Says because I really hate the Simon Says. Yeah, that that can be really that. bad about that. Yeah. 'Cause I mean sometimes the um the amount of time you have to, to push the button the correct button it feels like you don't have any time at all and I'm like I push it but I guess it was a split second too late and it counts as a failure and I'm like, Okay, I guess I'm down like twenty omni gel now. Yeah
1: it's an interesting skill based thing. Yeah. But that being said with mini games, one we didn't mention is actually for, of the three worlds my favorite one is Pharos. Uh, and when you get to having to get the the, the door clamped on the pincer to make the, the ship fall out. Uh, right. Of the the building when you have to adjust the pressures. Oh, the pressure in the... I'm so,
0: I, I am so bad. I'm forgetting other mini games. Ignore what I said earlier about the one in the area being the only one because you're right. That one exists.
1: Yeah. yeah. And I, I don't know. I love, uh, I, I thought I like those kind of games and it's fun that whole trying to readjust um, the fluid intake kind of, that kind of classic puzzle that they took that and spun yeah. it on its way. Although it's really weird that they built their ship that that was the one thing that was holding it in there. And just the whole thing just comes tumbling out when they got so many claws on it.
0: Yeah.
1: It's just like, really? That was the, that was the straw. Okay. Um, (laughs) The other thing. Maybe,
0: maybe don't park your ships vertically on the sides of buildings. Right. Just, just maybe. Or maybe leave somebody
1: at the helm who can like turn the engine on when it falls. Mm. It's just like, was there nobody in it? It just fell. It was, oh, well. At any rate, the other thing I loved about, uh, I like about Pharos is um, is that there is a bit of that intrigue with like the, the corporate intrigue and stuff. And when you kind of meet that little pocket of the humans that are trying to keep their entire company's uh, goings on hush hush and you can kind of get in and break it in and it and it's, they're awesome jerks. Yeah. And, uh, and also, can we all talk about how Ferris has that point where it's where you have to go down and there's no turning back when you jump down that into like that tunnel? And there's like, but we can't make it back. It's a one-way trip. So humanity's finest specimen, their specter, is stumped by a wall that he could lift his arms up and grab and pull himself up. <laughs> he just doesn't have the <laughs> upper body strength to pull himself out of there. Humanity's one true savior. What uh, games that have those weird mechanical barriers, like if they're going to make that the barrier, make it believable that it's out of our reach that he couldn't just hop back up just because there's yeah, no have jumping a, have mechanic. Like
0: a, have like a landslide or something. Right. Maybe, you know, you can't, yeah.
1: It's just like, oh, sorry, it's a one way trip because this game doesn't have that kind of mechanic. Like, <laughs> that's really what you're saying to me.
4: Yeah. Uh, it's a I just, ridiculous. <laughs> it just killed me when
1: I saw it. I, I was just like, really? All right. <laughs> This is a joke waiting to be written, uh, but no. Otherwise, I thought Ferris was pretty neat, and again, more Mako interaction. Uh, and I think I accidentally bailed off the edge when I didn't realize I could, and
0: <laughs> oh, I <laughs> think, I think I I game all over. That at I was some like, point. Oh, okay. <laughs> not game over. <laughs> um, yeah, that that was always fun, especially because it's easy to do that if you're trying to dodge the gas shooting at you, and you just keep going a little bit too far. And if you and...
1: oversteer and suddenly it goes into, like, the reverse mechanics, and then like, yeah. the, the, the oh, yeah. steering goes in a different direction, you're like, oh, no!
0: <laughs> I also, um, so, I mean, I still think I like Novaria uh, best, but I've, um, Ferus, I think once you, uh, once you learn about the Thorian and you start dealing with the Thorian, that was a really interesting sort of plot twist. Um, Finding this creature that this ancient creature that controls its uh, other living organisms in order to do its bidding, like that whole moment when you when you're in the Exegenics headquarters and the VI tells you what the Thorian is, and you you realize you you put two, and two together and you understand now that all that weird behavior at zoo's hope is because they've all been infected and then yeah mm-hmm. you finally you finally go down and you see this gigantic plant like thing and you're like oh, we you know i love that line of we're going to need bigger guns <laughs> yes
1: <laughs> and it's definitely again feels that like it harkens a bit to some of the halo stuff that was established with the, the 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 spore people and all that sort of stuff and just that these things like the, that yeah, this creature doesn't function through its own Means it has to mm-hmm. enslave other races and take their genetic code to make its own kind of spawn. Yeah.
0: Right, yeah. That was really interesting. And it's it's also like, you know, at the time it was cool, but then you go once you get hit Mass Effect 3 and you learn about the the history of the Reapers and the species that created them and it's kind of interesting to have multiple different species that basically rely on their ability to indoctrinate or otherwise control other uh, sapient species to do their bidding. And how, you know, it's it's interesting. And the fact that that this is a creature that survived, uh, as far as we can tell, it survived the last uh, extermination by the Reapers. And I'm sure there are a lot of people who have theorized about what that means. Did it just survive because they didn't know about it? Or did it survive because they like sort of didn't want to, you know, deal with it, or they would it be reverse enslaving, or yeah, yeah. So I don't know. Lots of lots of cool possibilities, but I don't. You know, who knows if they even were thinking about that when they, when they made uh, Mass Effect One, because we've, we've all I'm sure seen sort of stories about how the direction of the story kind of changed from Mass Effect One to Mass Effect Two to Mass Effect Three. So like, oh, yeah, you, know, you don't know. But it's interesting to think about a, maybe an AU in which a Reaper would have met or dealt with the Thorian uh, before, like, you know, Saren as as, the, as their agent. And, like, why they may have chosen to let the Thorian survive if they did, in fact, choose to let it survive. So,
1: And it has a more insidious means of doing what it does, it seems, too. Because, I mean, the Reapers seem to be very obvious <laughs> since they're big, giant. The vessel, thing or whatever.
4: Yes. Whereas like the
1: <laughs> giant space cuttlefish, whereas like the thorian can like burrow underground and just be under a colony or under a civilization, and no one can even know what it is that's affecting them. So it's possible. They, yeah, they may not have just even noticed it or sensed something weird from a planet, or just like mm, let's leave this one alone until yeah they had a sentient agent who kind of could tap into. No, we can use this in a more insidious way to our benefit that won't freak everybody out. Like giant cuttlefish in the sky. Well,
0: <laughs> oh, I guess a uh, question did Did we all bring Liara along for Neveria or did anyone specifically uh, leave her behind?
3: Uh, oh no, I took her just because it was Venezia. I can't remember her, like the lines, but she definitely had a thing or two to say to Benezia.
0: Yeah, I can never not bring Liara with me for that mission because I just I I think. I think I experimented with it once, and I didn't. I just didn't like it. It felt like y- you get a little bit more out of Benezia, and, yeah. and considering considering this is the only time you get to do anything with her because of what happens. You know, she she di- it's also a little weird how she dies because it almost looks like she's just giving up. And it's really I weirdly
1: animated. It was yeah, like yeah. it was a weird death.
0: Did her mind just like? blow or did she like you know do it herself to end Saren's control like I it's confusing she's dead but like it's confusing as to whether or not she did it to herself mm-hmm. or if it just happened because she was fighting the influence too much i don't i don't know yeah
3: i was never totally clear to me
0: but yeah i mean like i i never felt right about not bringing liara just because it you got a little bit more out of Benezia, and also mm. just, it felt wrong. I mean, like, it's a bit metagaming, because you don't, you don't know before you land on Novaria that Benezia is there, but, um, or wait, I'm, I take that back. You do, don't you?
4: Uh,
2: no, you don't, actually.
0: Oh, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah,
2: the, uh, you discover it, Yeah. You like, tell, tell you she's on there. The funny thing is, I was just, right. brought, I was just brought Liara along, to, even the first time I played the game, I just brought her along, and then just, happy coincidence.
1: It's the same for I, me. I, Sorry, what were you saying, Caitlin?
0: No, I'm just saying I, for, I <laughs> this is a weird thing where I've been, I, you, you metagame it so much because you, you know, played the game so many times. Of course, is there. I, of course, I know she's there because I've <clears> played <throat> the game like six or seven times. And it's like trying to remember if you're actually told that, you know. You yeah,
1: know. filtering through the details of what yeah, the story gives get- you as to what your meta tells you. Yeah, you never
2: told, that as is there, she just uh, you just know that the get there are there. That's it.
1: Right. right. And then yeah. it comes up in the conversations with everybody else that there was a matriarch. Yeah, yeah. But this feeds into actually what you wanted to talk about yeah. next, because, uh, yeah, with my previous playthroughs, I very heavily mostly just took Liara and Rex on most of my missions uh, <laughs> just because I really uh, my character was romancing Liara and I liked her biotic powers and Rex just bowled through everything and was rad. Mm-hmm. Whereas this time around, I've been gearing a lot more with Tally and Garrus because I never really explored much with Garrus at all or Tally until I think maybe Mass Effect 3. So I'm trying to get them, I'll give them a lot more use this time around. But same thing, once he kind of suggested that, I was like, okay, well, Garrus is telling me this. It's probably a good idea. So I went back and <laughs> brought Tally and, uh, and, um, and Liara with me as well. And then got really annoying because I met the Hanar, who was like, oh, can you go uh, smuggle a package through? I was like, I just went back to the ship. I'm not going back <laughs> again. I've already walked far too much over this whole facility. And you kind of move at a weird slow pace. And the running isn't quite we- right for getting around quick in this thing. So, no.
0: And elevators.
1: Yes, and elevators. Exactly.
0: At least the ones on Neveria were different looking and were pretty and, like, glass elevators. They were cool. Yeah. Mm.
1: Although, especially when you get to, like, Citadel for the first time, Shepard just has, like, this innate knowledge of, like, which way the doors are always going to open. He's <laughs> for, like, elevators. He just knows. Okay, it's just a lot so more elevators. Elevators. You spend so much time in them, I hope
3: so.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's fair. But, like, you, you know, you figure out the first few, he'd be like, oh, it's back there, okay. But he just happens to know every single one is where it's going to, which direction it's going to open in and orient them as, accordingly. <laughs> I don't know. It could have been a great opportunity for them to have like what they had in Dragon Age in those elevators of having the banter between the different characters for that kind of character building. But again, maybe they were they were just trying to keep that more particular. They, to... they
2: do that sometimes if you're running news yeah. reports. No, rather news reports do this party banter instead. Oh,
4: uh,
1: cute. yeah, that's true. Yeah, but yeah. So typically with this playthrough, I'm running with Tally and Garris more. But I did, yeah, I bring Lyra for that one. But uh, is everyone running with Lyra or is anyone running with? I used to try to mix it up. You just try to mix it up depending on the mission. Oh, yeah? Yeah,
3: I yeah, I try to at least have someone so that, like, if I can't decrypt stuff, like, they can do it. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I
4: tried to bring a text specialist
0: Yeah, specials, unless my, you. Mine is really special. low, so, yeah. I try to, like, mix it up. Um,. One of the things I try to do is, I try to, for the main story missions, to have different people, mm. um, to make sure I use everyone at least once on a main story mission, and to have mm. different sort of, you know, combos for each main story mission. Um, and I tried yeah. to, like, you know, I was metaing a little bit, like, trying to pick the right kind of people, like, uh, Pharos, I think I was rolling with. I had Tali for sure because I knew there'd be a lot of Geth to deal with. Novaria, I brought Tali for the Geth, and I brought Liara for the Biotic, uh, for the Rachni, and for the Commanders and things like that. And then, like with the with the Worlds, I just the Uncharted Worlds are kind of random. Like, oh, I, I took Ashley and Rex last time. Maybe this time I take Rex and Caden, You know, something like that. So. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Unless I know for sure if I can remember what happens on an uncharted world. And I don't, outside of a few, I don't immediately remember from the from the portraits which world is which. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, remembered, I remembered the one with the freaking monkey. <laughs> I, I
2: forgot what that. I remembered when I did it. I was like, oh, God, this again. <laughs>
1: I do yeah. want to bring that up at some point, but I feel like that's but yeah, I was going to talk about that in the next one when we talk about the uncharted worlds. Because, Yeah. Uh, yeah I think-
0: that is kind of frustrating though. Every time I I go to an uncharted world and I don't have uh, Caden, Garrus, or Tali, I'm always like running the risk of running into a probe that I need electronics for. And I my my shepherd's a soldier, so I don't have electronics or decryption, so yeah. I can't do any of that stuff. And yeah. why can't
1: I just smash this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And never forbid and you to go I, back to I the know... ship and launch again. <laughs>
3: Yeah, sadly, it's it's the first thing that I think about is, well,
2: can someone decrypt this for me? All right,
3: I'll bring them. (laughs) And then I kind of fill out the other party
2: member. Yeah, that's that's the bad thing about not bringing a tech specialist in the first game is that you have to bring a tech specialist along if you want to open chests and stuff. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Which was kind of annoying. Although, I mean, Garrus and Tali were my favorite characters. They are Mm. still, in large part, my favorite characters throughout the series. So, like,. It wasn't super, you know, hard to keep bringing them on missions, but I always would feel like, no, I gotta, I gotta, I, I gotta try and give Caden and Ashley and Liara some, some, you know, squad time too. I gotta try and be fair, even if I don't like them as much from a gameplay perspective as, as the alien, as the, uh, not the alien, Liara's an alien, but as you know. As the Turian and the Quarian and the Krogan. Yeah, so. whatever. Liar's got
1: research to do. Kaden gets headaches. They got other stuff to focus on. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Ashley's got Christianity and her family issues. You know, it's all kinds of stuff for them to all work out. And you can just yeah. bring Garrison Tali, who we'll just want to get out there and get stuff done.
0: And uh, just witness the awful driving... Skills of Shepard. <laughs>
1: oh, we will talk about that.
0: We will. We will. be. Yeah, we will be, uh, yeah, we'll definitely all about, all about the Mako. Yes. I was going to
1: say, I feel like we Did can do it? like an retro encounter that's just on Mako.
0: It'll be Makolicious. Oh
1: that sounds not great at all.
0: <laughs> that sounds like a perfect place to end the episode. What are you talking about? <laughs>
1: Well segued.
0: Yes. <laughs> All right. So probably handles better. before before I am allowed to make any more awful puns, I think we should probably wrap things up. So thank you for listening uh, as we talk about Mass Effect The First. Um, for the most part.
1: For like 60% yeah. of the time. <laughs> <laughs> We didn't get the achievement for talking about Mass Effect for the majority of the podcast. Majority of the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'll
0: have to be in our next 75%. playthrough. I guess we
3: will have to try again <laughs> later on this month or so.
1: <laughs> this will be a true uh, a true Mass Effect podcast. We'll have multiple podcast playthroughs.
0: <laughs> yes. And different headcanons for each. <laughs> yeah.
1: The next episode, Caitlin will be renegade. Just tell us all to shut the F up constantly.
3: <laughs> and I will be Paragon for once.
0: <laughs> oh, that means I can use my favorite renegade quote from Mass Effect One. You assume I give a damn. That's cute. Oh yeah, oh, that's, that's a good I, one. I love how Temper Hale says it. It's just like, oh my god. That's so good. Yeah. <laughs> well uh so for this episode, that'll do it for uh, for part one for Mass Effect. Thanks for listening. If you've been playing along, uh, th- I hope you're having a good time and that our uh, podcast has been enjoyable for you. Um, next week on the retro schedule is an episode about super boss battles. Um, so things like ultimate super hard, you know, this is the ultimate super, you know, difficult you might cry to your mom about this horrible boss battle
1: and the optional ones too
0: so, best which lines. could be worse depending on which they are that is true yeah. and that's why they're optional. Um, yes <laughs> uh we obviously are going to be back for a second episode part two of mass effect so you'll have that to look forward to later this month also uh letting everyone know that the july game or rather games for uh it's going to be the uh lunar and lunar 2 it's uh the anniversary of lunar and so we're doing uh podcasts on the uh lunar games that's so neat i want to hear um, about
1: those it's there's one that i sadly missed out on so i'm excited for that <laughs> episode
0: um other features—it's um, not up yet. Um, when this episode goes live, it won't quite have been ready because uh, uh, people are um, just getting back from E3 and, and uh, resting and getting all the, the, the news stories from that uh, up and stuff like that. But we will very soon be having a special year of the dog feature, uh, where a variety of our editors talk about their favorite RPG doggos because it is the year of the dog. So. Yes. So uh, please look forward to that and um, feel free to chat at us uh, about your favorite doggos too. Um, if you want to email uh, Retro Encounter, our email is retro at RPGfan.com. You can also talk to us on the forums, uh, Twitter, on Facebook. Uh, we have a Discord server as well that you're, you are. Very welcome to join and come chat with uh staff and awesome fans and stuff like that um as usual, please do rate review us on iTunes, Google play, wherever you get your podcast so that we can uh, we can get your feedback and we can also help uh, others that might be interested in listening to podcasts like this discover us um, you know just you know we like we like hearing what you think about the show and we we like uh being able to, you know, put these these uh, podcasts out for our listeners, so um, yeah. Uh, so finally, um, for anyone who might want to chat at us specifically about anything we might have said uh, on about Mass Effect and this episode, where can people reach everyone if you want to give your social media information?
2: Ladies first.
0: Uh, I guess I'll I'll start. Yeah, uh, you can find me at Leanne underscore Cazarel on Twitter and also on Discord.
3: I am underscore Salted Earth on Twitter and also Salted Earth on Discord. Though on if you're on the RPG fan Discord, I show up as just Eva.
1: Uh, okay, can, time for the guys. Yeah, you can find me uh, pretty easily. I am at Greg Dalmage. Same thing on Discord. I'm, I'm pretty easy to track down by my real name.
0: And
2: I am at smashking27 on Twitter, and you can find me Discord, just smashking.
0: All right. Well, thanks to all of you guys for joining me for this episode, um, and I will—you'll obviously hear more from us in part two. So yes. stick around for that.